like an old school Ready? <clears throat> okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome. My name is House of Music, and we are the Power Game Industry on Thursday. So please join us. We need workers. God is doing amazing things out there. Late at night, He is touching the lives of many broken, uh, hearted individuals, specifically in the hoods, which is where we go to, right? Anyway, today's lesson is going to be about uh, the Old Te Old Testament that points to Jesus. Man, uh, so I'm going to kick it off by reading off of Isaiah. So <clears throat> this is a very popular passage, right? We've all uh, read it. Some of us are not as familiar with it. But uh, this is such an awesome passage because it literally uh, gives a strong depiction, right, a picture of the crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah, can you believe that? It does. <laughs> and so it's very important, right, that us as disciples, we uh, get familiar with it. And because, uh, you know, when we're out in the streets, we come across to, uh, you know, we encounter people that are very... Uh, it can get very stubborn, right, when we try to tell them that, that Jesus is not just some historical figure. He is literally uh, uh, a fulfilled uh, prophecy, right, from the Old Testament going to the New Testament. He's our redeemer, right? And we try to show him passages, and they're kind of like, no, nah, they ain't getting it, right? <clears throat> but that doesn't mean you, you don't stop trying, right? Keep trying. So let's kick it off and read in Isaiah 53 and verse 1. Uh, it starts off by saying, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people uh, hide their faces, he was despised and, he, and we held him low in esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God striking by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed we all like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to our own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all very powerful a passage right as we can all read and let's give glory to god about that because literally if it weren't for jesus right two thousand years ago dying on the cross for us, right, uh, paying the penalty for our sins, we would not be here. There would not be millions of, of people worldwide, right, being believers if it weren't for Jesus being the, the penalty, right, for, for our sins, right. He, he died for our sins. And Isaiah 53, I just love how, how it explains so, so vividly because if you go to the New Testament, right, and the Gospels, right, Matthew, Mark, Mark Luke, and John, whichever best you want to uh, look into, the crucifixion is there, right, and, and there's scriptures that talk about him being pierced, having nails 
about this stick being driven to his palms and feet, right? Isaiah 53, it says, well, he was pierced for our transgressions. And in, in the crucifixion, right, in, in the New Testament, right, in the passages of, of, of Matthew, right, you can see clearly that Jesus was crucified and nails were driven through his palms. You know, so it, it's like when you're in the street, right, and somebody's asking you, you know, no, was Jesus really crucified? You say, yeah, let me point to you. As a matter of fact, let me point to the New Old Testament. <laughs> Since you think I'm going to go to the New Testament, let me show the Old Testament. That may kind of, uh, like, uh, get them off a bit. Like, well, hold on, wait, what? The Old Testament talks about that? Yes, it does. <laughs> the Old Testament says, talks very clearly about the crucifixion of Jesus, as we just read, Isaiah 53, right? So, you know, I really want us to, to, to get familiar with it, study it. You know, I did an in-depth study of the book, the book of Isaiah 53, and I was just astonished. Like, wow, Jesus was literally in the Old Testament. <laughs> as a matter of fact, the whole New Testament points to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> the whole New Testament points to Jesus, right? And let's go on into the New Testament, right? You can go to Luke, Luke chapter 22, verse 37, where uh, Jesus, he quotes words from Isaiah 53, 12. And I'll read it in Luke 22, uh, 37. In Luke 22, 37, he says, it is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. Can you, can you believe that Jesus is literally saying that what is talking about me is the fulfillment? He's literally saying, the man himself is saying, it is a fulfillment. And he is saying it directly. You know, sometimes they say, oh, show me the Bible where Jesus actually says something about himself. Let me show you right here. <laughs> it says it right there. And you can go, right, see the correlation and go to Isaiah, right, where Jesus quotes Isaiah 53, verse 12. Right there, Isaiah 53, verse 12. says the exact same words, almost the exact same words. He says, therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils of the strong, because he poured all his life onto the death, and he was and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Doesn't that sound familiar? Sounds very familiar. As a matter of fact, it's quite exact, right? Maybe the translation is, is different, but it's exactly how it is written in Isaiah, right, 43. And it's just, uh, 53, I'm sorry. And it, it blows my mind away, right, how, how someone, right, can, can say, right, in the streets when you're evangelizing and, and, and boldly they'll say, you know, I know the whole Bible. I know the whole Bible. I know, I know the Bible better than you. And it's like, dude, if you know the, the whole Bible better than me, then you wouldn't be talking to me right now. You would be with me standing next to me preaching the gospel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, have you all ever met people like that? They'll be like, yeah, I know the whole Bible. No, you don't. <laughs> and you'll tell them, let me tell you why you don't know. Because if you did, you would know this, that our, our beloved Savior is literally talked about in the Old Testament, right, by our, our awesome prophet Isaiah, right? So let's go to uh, the next scriptures. I'm going to bounce back in a lot of scriptures because I really want us to see how clearly Jesus was, you know, uh, uh, prophesied in the Old Testament, right? Uh, on, the road, on the road to em uh, Emmaus, uh, Jesus told two of his disciples in uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 44, he said, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus told two of his disciples, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. The whole Old Testament, law, prophets, and writings contain messianic prophecies, and all of those prophecies must be fulfilled. Jesus is telling us right here, everybody, right, that everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. We just, we just quoted one of the prophets, Isaiah, right? 
right? I haven't even gotten to the Psalms yet. I haven't even gotten to the Law of Moses yet, right? But it is, it is already being shown clearly, right, that Jesus is shown in the Old Testament, right? Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which points to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Let's take our time, right? <laughs> A lot of scriptures here. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Okay, let's hold that thought right there and let's go turn to Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18, yes. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary, right, Mary was mentioned in the passage just read was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, uh, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> we just read in Isaiah, right, seven, uh, chapter 7, verse 14, that his name is Emmanuel, right? Hello, somebody. Come on. Let's keep on going. We can turn to Hosea, Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, which points to Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. So let's go to Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. <clears throat> you guys probably never read Hosea. Probably didn't know that was in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, Hosea chapter uh, 11, verse 1. It was like this. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Egypt, I called my son. Hmm, what, what son could this be? Uh, referring to <laughs> Jesus <laughs> let's go to uh Matthew chapter 2 verse 15 get your minds blown away <laughs> for those watching too right Matthew chapter 2 verse 15 where he stayed until the death of Herod and so was fulfilled that the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt I called my son hmm interesting <laughs> a lot of correlation we see here right get a little sassy with uh with your Jewish neighbors, right? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but you, you, you see my point, right, is that it's, it's shown so clearly that Jesus, right, is, is clearly shown in the Old Testament, right? And there's no excuse, right? There's no buts, no ifs, no, well, I don't know, no ifs, right? It's done. It's done deal. It's already been fulfilled. Jesus has already been fulfilled. He's our Redeemer. Glory to God, right? Praise the Lord. And a, a popular one that I like to go to a lot uh, in the streets, sometimes I, I, I come across to uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. And uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, if you're not familiar, they have a, a very uh, different doctrine. They, they claim that Jesus is a God, which is uh, not true. Uh, I, I turn to John chapter 14, verse 6, because this is something that Jesus said that in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God said, right? John 14, 6. Let's go to John 14, 6.
Sorry about that. I had the wrong scripture there. Forgive me, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. I'm sorry. Yeah, John 46. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? He begins to say that I am, right? I am the way. Exodus 3.14 sounds very familiar how the words, right, says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. That I am, right, in Hebrew is a very strong uh, title to give to yourself, right? And Jesus is using that to show that he is the I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. Boom, right? And the reason why I want to share, share, this, share this is because Jehovah's Witnesses, right, they, 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 they tend to shy away from this because this is clearly being shown that Jesus is God. Because he's saying the I am. That is powerful. So the next time, right, you come across to a, a J-Dub, right, you show them, hey, hold on a second. You're saying that my, my Jesus is a God. Well, let me tell you why he's not because he's saying that he is the all-powerful I am. And Exodus 3.14, right, says the exact same thing. And I've done this before, and, and uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses kind of shied away. He kind of walked away like, no, no, you're, you're lying. <laughs> right? He didn't know what to say. But, hey, we got we to gotta point the truth. Right? And, Lord willing, the truth will set them free. Because the truth has set us free. Amen? You know, at times, you know, Jesus, he, he quoted, you know, messianic, messianic prophecy and applied it to himself. Right? We've already been seeing that. In the synagogue in Nazareth, right, Jesus read a, a messianic mass, uh, passage from Isaiah chapter 61 and said, Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And you can find that in Luke chapter 4, verse 21. It says, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Right? Doesn't the Bible say that by, by faith, right, through hearing, right? You believe, right? He's saying here, right? Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Right? He's not saying in your vision. Right? He's not saying in your body language. In your hearing. Right? So, you know, just before... Um, Another thing I want to share, too, is uh, when Jesus was arrested, right, before his arrest, uh, Jesus quotes Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. Jesus loves to quote scripture, right? Let's not know that about him. I mean, hey, he did it at, at, you know, at, at the garden, right, when he was tempted, right? <laughs> he quoted scripture. What did he say? Man does not live on bread alone. He loves to quote, quote scripture. Therefore, we should, too. We should boldly proclaim and <laughs> quote scripture. Let's turn to Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. Let's see what it says right there. Zechariah 13.7. It goes like this. It says, Awake, sword against my shepherd, against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. Right? Now let's go to Matthew Chapter 26, verse 31. Matthew 26, 31. <clears throat> then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Sounds very similar, right? <laughs> you know, I, I, I can pretty much you know, go all, all, all night, right, and, and, and show you right these, these correlated scriptures, and you will find that the whole Old Testament, right, Jesus pretty much quotes, right, and he's the, the fulfillment, right, and so powerful, it's so powerful, and this is such a useful evangelism tool, right, not, not just to quote scripture, right, but to, to explain how Jesus, right, or the Old Testament points to Jesus, 
it's such a, a powerful tool because, you know, honestly, sometimes people, it, it takes someone to believe in the streets, right, for you to, to show them in the scriptures, right, to go side by side. Let's, let's go back in time. Let's go to the Old Testament. Okay, now, now let's jump forward. Let's go to the future, right, to the New, New Testament. Sometimes that's what it takes for someone to believe, honestly. I mean, you know, um, when we're out there and we're preaching the gospel, you know, we, we, we try to come up with, with methods and, and, and trying to, you know, come up with ways and theories. Just stick to the word, <laughs> honestly. Just stick to the word because the word is powerful, right? What does Romans 1.16 say, right? For not, and not I'm sharing the gospel because it is the power of God. The power of God, hello, that brings salvation to all those who believe. Has power. I've seen people on Thursdays, right, when I preach the gospel to, to the, the gang members, and they are so, like, convicted, like, oh, man, like, like it's like a bright light has been shined upon them, and, and they look away because it's so powerful. It convicts their hearts. So forget about any theory you want to use, right, any, any other type of uh, way, right. Just stick to the word, and you will see, truly, man, man people will, will be convicted, right. And once that conviction starts, starts to stir up, now then the, the guilt and then the belief comes in. Now they surrender. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? Glory to God. Uh, and now I want to go into different, po- uh, different points that uh, talks about animal uh, sacrifices. Um, something that may have, a lot of us haven't really uh, heard about or, or touched into yet in a study. But animal sacrifices really point to Jesus. Yes. Uh, Jesus is considered to be the lamb that was slain. The lamb, right? Uh, lamb is good. Man, I like lamb. I've, I've had a lamb. <laughs> but uh, Jesus is the lamb that was slain. And in the Old Testament, they were slain lambs. They were slain animals, right? Why were they doing that? Because of bloodshed. Something very vital. And I will share this with you where it talks about that, right? If you can turn with me. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. It says that. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Right? This is also talking about how in the Old Testament, how priests, they had to offer animals a sacrifice so that people can be forgiven of their sins. If there was no bloodshed, that person would not be forgiven of their sin. It's crazy to say, but that's how it was. Right? Jesus wasn't back at that time being crucified. Right? He didn't come yet. Right? But because now Jesus has been crucified 2,000 years ago. Right? His bloodshed, right, was poured on us, therefore leaving us healed completely, fully sanctified, right, of sin. Because his blood was shed for us. Amen. Uh, if you can turn to John chapter 1 verse 29, how I said that, that he was the land that was slain, right? Let's go there. John chapter 1 verse 29. John 1 29. <clears throat> I love the book of John, by the way. It's an awesome book. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. The Lamb of God. Hallelujah. The Lamb of God. Right? And we can go to the Old Testament, Leviticus, and we'll find, you know, little baby lambs, right? (laughs) Or goats, right? Being being demolished, right? (laughs) Or someone... Someone's sin of, I don't know, sin of uh, adultery, right, to be forgiven. That's just how they had to do it, you know, and, and sadly, that's how it was. But, hey, the reason why, I realized that the reason why animals were used is because they were innocent. You know, animals have nothing to do with really a sin, right? They, they literally submit to owners. You tell a dog, hey, go fetch, they'll do it. <laughs> you tell a human, go fetch, 
like, nah, I ain't fetching, <laughs> right? They're just so gullible, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, as I was asking, why animals, right? What do they do wrong? You know, as I was saying, animals are innocent, right? They submit willingly. You know, sure, some dogs, right, they may act up from time to time, but they are still innocent creatures, right? <clears throat> and I believe that God used animal sacrifices, right, to show that they do no wrong because their innocence, right, having no sin, as I was saying, can only wash away one sin. Jesus Christ did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. He was innocent, right? I'm not comparing Jesus now to a, to a dog or anything, right? Don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, but Jesus was innocent, right? The man did nothing wrong. We can all clearly see that, right? All he did was literally try to show, right, people around him that he is the only way of, of, of peace, right? He is the only way to the kingdom of God. But people thought that was heresy. People thought he was a heretic, right? The Pharisees tried, tried to manipulate that, manipulate that and say, no, this, this man is lying, right? He claims to, to be God and, and so forth. But the man was innocent. The man came powerfully and willingly, right, <clears throat> to show man that he is the only way. And that is powerful because, you know, I think, man, if, if I was alive at that time, right, and I saw Jesus before me, maybe at that moment I would probably be like one of them too, like, nah, I don't know. Because a lot of us, you know, if you think about it, ask yourselves, like, man, if, if I was alive at the time that Jesus was walking the earth, would I really believe? Would I be Barabbas, right, or would I be, you know, uh, <clears throat> a Pharisee? You know what I'm saying? Think about it. Because some of us today, we try to say, man, like atheists, right? Like, man, if God was right here and I would believe him. No, you won't. How come, they, how come we killed him? <laughs> we killed him. So don't say that if Jesus was walking or not, you'll believe. Because clearly, you know, you've already shown that a thousand years ago when you killed him on the cross. On the cross. <clears throat> I want to end in this uh, powerful uh, scripture. And I know it may sound kind of uh, uh, out of this, but it, it really ties in. And it's Romans chapter 6, verse 23. <clears throat> Let's turn there, please. Romans 6, 23. <clears throat> Paul really lays it down right here, you guys. Out in the money. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death, right? You see, we, we, we can already see by now, right, that throughout the whole testament, everybody was trying to find a way out of death, right? And that was through animal sacrifices, right, through, through the priest. Or for some of us today, right, who don't want to believe in Jesus, we try to do it on our own. We try to, try to uh, do better in life, try to just be good people, walk as many uh, elderly people across the street, feed charities, right, help a lady pack your groceries, whatever it is, good work you want to do. But none of that is really going to save you. None of that's really going to wash you away, right? It is only through the blood, the blood of Jesus, right, that can really only uh, sanctify you fully. Through his blood, right, we are cleansed. <clears throat> and I believe that throughout these whole lessons, right, that we've been doing in the evangelism training, you know, this really ties it all together because without the Old Testament, right, <clears throat> and the fulfillment, there will really be no uh, Jesus. There will no be no... There wouldn't be a, a, a point, really, of, of the whole fall of man, right? Because the, the whole the fall of man was when we sinned, right, at, at the garden. And because of that, now everybody's trying to, you know, get good, as I was saying, trying to do better, right? Until then, the New Testament comes in, right, and we see Jesus. And then we look back in the Old Testament, like, whoa, hold on. Street. Oh, no, you, did you know there's a gospel of, of Thomas, whatever, gospel of of. Uh, Gospel of Mary, I don't know, wasn't there a gospel of uh, Judas, right? <laughs> like, read that one, you'll know Jesus was crucified. <laughs> like, 
Like, dude, get, get out of here, man. Come on. Why don't you just come with me and join me in a Bible study? We'll do an in-depth study, man, and I'll lay you in the spirit. <laughs> so I want to end with that, and uh, let's get prepared, right, to go in the streets. Those watching, right, get prepared. But when that person comes along and wants to tell you that, that Jesus is just a historical figure or, for that matter, he wasn't even real, and you'll see by pointing, right, they'll see by pointing in the Old Testament and correlating with the New Testament that he indeed is, is alive and he has been proved ages and ages <clears throat> through our church fathers and, and Abraham, right, all the prophets. Amen. So let's, uh, let's pray.